0: Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church online. The sermon you're about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church, to know, to live and to share Jesus Christ.
1: But the title today is Jesus Christ's power over sickness, Mark 5:24 to 34. And people are desperately looking for someone with a power to solve life's problems, aren't they? That's what everybody's looking for. The whole world's looking for this superhuman person that could do it. That's why the superhero movies are so popular, I really think. One of the reasons is because Superman is someone who can save us from what we're afraid of and someone who can solve our problems and and rescue us. There's just a comforting thought. Wouldn't it be great to have a, a superhero you know, nearby that could save us, right? I think that's why the Antichrist someday will be so popular. He's going to be win by a landslide election. The whole world's going to vote for this guy, and he's going to have an incredible... In the book of Revelations, it says he's going to have incredible power. He's going to seem to be able to solve a lot of problems in society and and even be able to do miracles. He's going to have some miraculous power, which we know is uh, deceptive. He's to, the, the miracles he does the Bible says, are going to be counterfeit miracles. He's going to get his power from, not God, but from Satan. That's where he's going to get his power, and his goal, Satan's whole goal, is to destroy us. So he's going to use the Antichrist, he's going to use these counterfeit miracles to draw people to him, and then he's going to use it to hurt people, to destroy them. That's his whole goal. That's why I'm so troubled by the whole... Counterfeit spiritual movement in the United States. You see that a lot of setting up for this deception and the counterfeit for to setting us up for Satan's deception someday. It starts young. It starts with the whole Harry Potter. You know, use, I know I'm going to offend a few people, but bear with me. You know, it starts with the whole Harry Potter thing. You know, it's, it's white witchcraft. It's not Satan's witchcraft. It's, it's just good witchcraft. And it just sets the kids all up. It softens them up. And then they go right to the breaking dawn and the whole vampire movement. And, and hey, I've dealt with some vampire spirits. It's, it's not a good thing. It's not It's not uh, innocent. The whole, then it just the teenagers are just drawn into it. And then the, all the, the New Age movement and, the, and the, the yoga, not the stretching part of the yoga, but the, all the spiritual part of the yoga. It's just an Eastern religion, which they worship idols, which are, we know the Bible says are demons. And then a lot of people get into the Wiccan thing and the white witchcraft, and they get into all this stuff. And hey, what's white witchcraft when we're a good witch? Well, there's no such thing. The source is all the same. They're being deceived. It's demonic. The source of everything spiritual that doesn't come from God is from Satan. It's demonic and it's softening us up for the the great deception because people want power. But we know who has the real power. Jesus Christ's power is for real. It comes from his father, God, and we can trust that power because it's for our good. His power is aimed for our good. It's meant for our good. And in Matthew 4 and 5, we've been looking at Jesus Christ's power. And, and we've looked at his power over the natural realm, over nature, and how he has power over the storms of our life, too. We looked at how he has power over the supernatural. We spent five weeks on that whole thing of his power over Satan and demons. And now we see that he has power over sickness and death in this passage today. We're just going to focus on the sickness part. this week and next week, then we'll get to the death part coming up there. But Jesus is using, now this is important, he's using these these power displays to teach his disciples a very important lesson. And not just the 12 disciples here, but he's using it to teach all of us, all of us who are following Christ today, or trying to follow Christ, or seeking for Christ. He's trying to teach us a very important lesson. How will we respond to life's challenges? Will we respond in faith or fear? How are we going to respond to these challenges, the storms of life and the sickness and the death and and Satan's attacks, spiritual attacks? Are we going to respond in fear or faith? What tests our faith more than sickness and death? Nothing. That's like the ultimate test of our faith, isn't it? And yet, Jesus, we're going to see that we don't have to fear either of them because Jesus Christ has the power over both, over sickness and over death. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the worship today. I know a lot of us have carried a lot of heavy burdens and fears and struggles into this building today. But the worship has already started to soften our hearts and open our hearts to your word. And we pray now that your word would be used by your Holy Spirit to speak to each one of us right where we are. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's read this passage here. It's sandwiched in, so the first few verses we're going to do in a couple of weeks, because he sandwiches the the sick woman in between the the story of the dead girl, and look what, but she doesn't stay dead, thank God. Look at verse twenty. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman who was there had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, He said to her, "Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering." So let's just start with the first couple of verses here, and I want to chunk it up in a few pieces here. First of all, a large verse twenty, uh, the end of verse twenty-four. Uh, a large crowd get, followed him and pressed around him, and a woman who was there had been subject to bleeding for twelve years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. And had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So we see, first of all, starting out that Jesus is mobbed. And remember, one of the the themes of Mark was the popular Jesus. The people, the crowds, love Jesus. That's one of the themes of Mark that we talked about at the very beginning when we first started this book. And he's popular; people love him. But and this woman comes along who has been bleeding for twelve years. It's probably, a they don't, Mark doesn't name it, but it was probably a menstrual bleeding that wouldn't stop. It, she was at the end of her rope. The doctors couldn't help her. The doctors at that time were mostly quacks anyway. You know, they did more damage than good at, in, in Palestine at this time. They couldn't help her. And even if they could, she couldn't have afforded it. She was completely broke. She was at the end of her rope. And this was very, very serious what happened to this woman. To understand how serious this was, we have to look back at the book of Leviticus. And in Leviticus 15, in the law it says here, Leviticus 25, where it talks about the Mosaic law, it says, when a woman, Leviticus 15, 25, when a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time other than her monthly period or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean, "...unclean as long as she has the discharge, just as in the days of her period. Any bed she lies on while her discharge continues will be unclean, as is her bed during her monthly period, and anything she sits on will be unclean, as during her period. Whoever touches them will be unclean. She must wash his clothes and bathe with water, and he will be unclean till evening." When she is cleansed from her discharge, she must count off seven days, and after that, she will be ceremonially clean. On the eighth day, she must take two doves or two young pigeons and bring them to the priest at the entrance to the tent of the meeting. The priest is a sacrifice, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. In this way, he will make atonement for her before the Lord for the uncleanness of his discharge. You must keep the Israelites separate from things that make them unclean, so they will not die in their uncleanness for defiling my holy place which is among them. This is what the woman was under. Now there's a picture here, and I'm going to encourage you to study this passage, and also the passage in Mark 5. And come ready next week for our Communion Sunday because we're going to focus on a whole different piece. Than I'm, I'm dealing with the healing of the sickness today. But there's another piece to this healing. That affects every one of us. This woman. Is each one of us. And I think it's going to be very surprising. When we look at this next week. We're going to see our face. On this woman. And, and we're going to see. It's connected to communion very closely. Hint, hint. So do some studying. Okay. But She. This is very serious. This woman, just like the leper, remember the leper, unclean, unclean, nobody could touch the leper. They had to be far away. The uncleanness of this bleeding woman, she was completely ostracized and feared because anybody who touched her was religiously and socially an outcast until they could be cleansed, which she couldn't get. I think of what it was like back when HIV first came out, when AIDS first came out. Now we know we we don't have to fear it. Like, but at the beginning, oh, it was terrifying. Anybody who had AIDS was like considered like you just, they would just lock them up and don't let them near anybody because they're going to kill us all, right? Remember what it was like back then? It was like contagion, you know. And that's that's the same picture. Now we know better, obviously. A lot, a lot of people in our church you know, we, we're connected, we know people, we minister to people, we have good friends here in the church with HIV, it's no big deal. They get up and share it openly, no big deal. But at this time, at 20, 30 years ago, it was a big, big deal, and that's what this woman had. She had HIV when nobody understood it. It was terrifying. Nobody could touch her. They had to stay away from her. For 12 years, she could not be touched or touch another person. Think about that. No husband, no children. Even if she had them, they couldn't go near her. Think of not being touched for 12 years. That's why she didn't touch Jesus. But look what she did touch in verse 27. Let's look at what she did touch. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed of her suffering. She touched his clothes. Now, it's still breaking the law, but she's kind of bending it a little bit there, right? But there was also a superstition of the day that uh, there was a holy man, a holy teacher, that if you could touch his clothes, you could be healed of something. There was a superstition in this time. Same as we see today, super religious superstitions. Oh, go to this shrine and go, go get this holy water at this shrine or touch this or touch that or go where there's a statue of some religious you know person you know and uh, and you pray there and that's where you're gonna find your healing and that's not what heals us it's our faith in jesus that heals us someone gets healing there well it was their faith in jesus it wasn't this this superstition right but it wasn't touch, touching his clothes that healed her let's see what really healed her in verses 30 to 34 And be freed from your suffering. It wasn't the clothes. It wasn't the magic power. It was her faith in Jesus that healed her. And Jesus knew. He didn't know who exactly touched her. Because Jesus at this point, remember, he's fully God, fully man. But he has subjected himself to God completely. And he knew many incredible things. But God had his father, God had to reveal it to the Son. Everything that Jesus knew on earth was being revealed from his Father. He had put himself under his Father at this time. And so he was waiting for his Father to show him who touched him. He was getting everything from the Spirit and from his Father. And so he knew that power had gone out of him. Now remember what the word for power in the Greek here is? Duna me, where we get the word dynamite from. He felt the Doing on me, mean, the power draining from him. And it's interesting that often after Jesus went in and healed a bunch of people, what did he usually do after that? Often, he rested. It cost him energy, spiritual energy, to heal people. You ever think about that? Every time he touched somebody, he was drained by that. It cost him something. You ever experience that in ministry? You're ministering to someone, you're witnessing to someone, you're praying for somebody, and you just feel drained. That's because there's a, there's a spiritual energy that goes into ministering. And Jesus had it a whole different way than we have, right? And so he asked, who touched me? And look what his disciples said. He's got these 12 disciples they are going to become 12 apostles. They're going to you know, start off the church, kick off the church. These are the guys. And remember what Mark's, one of Mark's main themes was? Now Mark could write this because he wasn't one of the twelve. He came along later. He was a disciple, but now one of the 12 apostles. And one of the themes of Mark is the dumb disciples. The dodos. The 12 dodos. That's one of his themes. He gives it to them all the time, right? And so uh, the Holy Spirit, obviously, working through him. And the reason is because these are lessons for us today. Anytime you see the disciples do something stupid, pay attention. You're seeing yourself. We're seeing ourselves in them. And God's put this... Their, dumb, their dodo-ness in for a reason to teach us something, right? And so he's teaching these guys something here. They, they saw with the eyes of flesh. They see a big crowd they see a big church forming, and we need crowd control. We need parking attendance. We need, we need more programs to handle the mass. Pass more plates, you know, get some more money, you know. We, well, let's take advantage. I mean, they're thinking, Judas especially, was thinking, how are we going uh, to fleece this group, right? That, but they see with eyes of flesh this crowd. But Jesus didn't see the mob, he saw individuals. He saw individuals with spiritual needs. Jesus always kept that focus. And he stopped the parade that day to focus on one insignificant woman. Pay attention, you dodo disciples. He's telling them something. He's telling us something. And she comes over and and falls at his feet and confesses with trembling with fear. She had just broke the law. Yeah, I didn't touch. I didn't really. Uh, you know, the, before you stoned me, high priest Pharisees, I didn't actually touch him. I touched his clothes. You know, you know how you bend things. And, and she was afraid. She broke the law. Not only that, she touched a man's clothes. That is unheard of in Palestine at this time. And a strange man, someone she didn't even know. This is crazy. But it was also, this is key, it was the first time in 12 years she reached out and touched somebody. Think about that. The first time in 12 years that someone actually looked at her and saw her. Because for sort of 12 years she was a wallflower. She was invisible. And if she was seen, she was a ghost appearing. And they were afraid of her. They were horrified by her. They were repulsed by this bleeding, unclean woman. But Jesus sees her. And I believe that the reason, one of the reasons Jesus publicly affirmed her, why the Father led the Son to publicly affirm her Is because he was saying, You are as important as a person. You're not invisible to me. That's a good lesson for us, isn't it? Because Jesus uses us now to touch people. He's left us dodos here to do it. Who is he calling us to touch, to affirm this repulsive person many times? You want me to love them? You want me to encourage them? You want me to touch them? And I also believe he affirmed her publicly because he was affirming her important as a person, but he also, I believe, wanted to let everybody else know she was clean. He was publicly saying she's clean. She's part of the body again. She's part of the community again. I think he was making that point. But even more important than that, I believe he did this to bring her faith to completion. He publicly called her out to bring her faith to completion. You see, she believed Jesus Christ could heal her physically, but he also wanted to hear, heal her spiritually. The word for healing in Greek is the same exact word that we translate in other places, save. Healing, saving, it's the same exact word. just depends on the context, what it means. It's the same word. Jesus was moving her from healing to... To salvation. That's the whole goal. You say, or somebody say, I got saved. Well, we're, we're saved from our sin. We're washed clean. We become a Christian. We're following Jesus. And, and his physical healing of this woman proved that he could save her spiritually. That's proving it, that he can save her. That's why Jesus does miracles, even today. Why, why, why he works in miracles? To prove what his word says. And this reminds us of Romans 10, 9, and 10. And I think this verse really jumps out at us as we look at this passage. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, a lot of you haven't memorized already, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. She believed Jesus could heal her and now he gives her a chance to confess it and she was saved. She did go from just this Jesus is going to heal me. She went to salvation. We know this by her faith and confession of Jesus Christ. We know that. Look what he calls her when she's leaving. Daughter. She is Jesus knows she's moved from the, Jesus is just going to heal me to Jesus is going to save me spiritually. He calls her daughter and he says your faith has healed you and he's insinuating that it's also saved her it's the same word in fact he says go in peace that's something only Jesus can do he can give us peace with his father God because he died on the cross for us he took his sins our sins on himself and he paid for it so that we are no longer enemies of God we're now his his sons and daughters, his children. And that's what God, Jesus, has done for us. He's made peace for us with his Father God. And not only that, he can give us daily peace. This woman was healed and saved. How about us? Have you been saved? Not just physically healed, but have you been saved by Jesus Christ? Maybe you need that spiritual healing touch today. Have you ever reached out to Jesus in faith and said, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Because of my uncleanness. And I put my faith in Jesus. I ask you to forgive me and I put my faith in Jesus. And I'm going to follow him. Have you ever been saved? And for those of us who are already Christians... How is God speaking to us, us disciples, us dodos? How do we react to sickness? Do we react to sickness with fear or faith? Do we keep on praying for healing, for the physical healing and mental healing and emotional healing and spiritual healing for ourselves and other people? Do we keep on doing that? We we see prayer being answered healings all every the prayer team constantly praying for people to be healed we see it every week we really should make a bigger deal of it but but it's like so commonplace. God is healing constantly but a lot of times we because of the, the fear or the lack of faith we don't look for those chances to pray for that healing Kim this week she a couple weeks ago she took Mikey to the doctor and he's going to need Tubes in his ear, and there's complications with him. He's already had him before. And the doctor's like, oh, it doesn't look good. Kim comes home and tells me, I'm like, oh, okay, we'll take him back to the doctor. I didn't even think about spiritually. I'm just thinking of doctors, right? But Kim had a leading. She just had a leading. It doesn't get it every time with every sickness, but she had a leading to pray for his healing. And she took him to the doctor this week, and the doctor was like, he's all better. He doesn't need tubes. Wow. Surprised. But Kim says, I wasn't. I, I just knew it. She just had that leading. A lot of times, if it was up to me, I wouldn't have prayed for him. You know, we we, that sensitivity to praying for the healing. Now, why doesn't Jesus heal every time? I know what some of you are thinking. Why doesn't he heal every time? He didn't heal Kelly. Remember, we prayed and prayed he didn't heal Kelly. He didn't heal Robert. We prayed and prayed he didn't heal Robert. In our minds. And we get mad and we lose our faith. Nobody here. And then we rarely pray for healing because God didn't listen to me. didn't do what I told him to do. I don't know why. I don't know why. But I know that Jesus Christ has the power to heal sickness. He proved it here. And I believe that if we pray in faith and somebody is not healed, including ourselves, there he must have a positive reason for it. Paul, pre- praying that... that, that God would take away the thorn in his flesh. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, he says, but this is what God says to Paul when he wanted his healing. He said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This particular problem, sickness it was, God allowed him to have to keep him weak so that he would depend on God and be strong. There are are reasons why God doesn't heal sometimes, to our mind, to our eyes, why he doesn't heal. Will we trust him for that? Joanne stopped by yesterday, come here Joanne, Joanne stopped by yesterday and she starts telling me what she's going through, I'm like, this is what I'm preaching about on Sunday, just share a couple of minutes, just share this, and so she's a little nervous, but just share what you were sharing with me, because I really think that brings out this healing thing. She had, remember she had the miraculous
0: healing when she first became a Christian, Crohn's disease, how many years? Mm -hmm. I had Crohn's disease most of my adult life, suffered close to 20 years with that.
1: Healed miraculously. I was healed right
0: here in this room. I was prayed over and with, and I was healed in this room by the grace of God, and I still continue to enjoy that healing, and I thank God for it every day. So now I'm suffering with something else. Um, it's probably advanced osteoarthritis. It's very uh, degenerative bone thing. Anyway. Whatever it is, I have developed bone spurs on my cervical spine, and they press on nerves leading out of the spinal column, so I'm in excruciating pain, and uh, sometimes it's almost unbearable. I asked God to heal me, of course, and I know he has the power, if he chooses, to make it all go away. I was sharing with Chuck when I went over that, you know, of course I asked God to heal me, but I have not been healed yet. Um, And that I didn't really know what to do because I was suffering so much. And for various reasons, I decided that I'm not going to take any pain medication. So um, what I decided to do was it occurred to me that Jesus died on the cross to save me so that I could go to heaven and be with Him and God my Father someday. And I started to think about the pain that I'm in and how terrible it is to me and I realized that uh, it's basically a walk in the park compared to what Jesus suffered and died. The way He suffered for me is so much greater and I just decided that every time I'm in pain I'm going to offer that pain up to God in thanksgiving for the suffering and for giving me a a chance just to experience a minute amount of suffering compared to what Jesus suffered for me so that I may always be grateful and thankful for God dying, sending his son Jesus to die for me and to remind me of the pain. And so I'm offering my pain up in thanksgiving to God.
1: When she shared that, I was like, ah. That's exactly what I said you've got to share that because that that's the perspective. Why doesn't Jesus heal all the time? I don't know, but I know he can. He has the power over sickness. We see it in his word, we see it in healing. What Joanne shared her healing earlier. And if we and if we pray in faith and we're not healed, there must be a purpose. That's where that faith over fear comes in. That's where trusting him and having a close relationship comes in for that. And I know. And we know that he will heal us all completely someday. Remember Aaron's testimony last week about his brother? He is healed. It's called heaven. Revelation 21 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. We all will be healed. Whether he heals us here or whether he heals us there, we will be healed. Let's pray. As we go this time of prayer, let's take some time to talk to God. Maybe you're here and you're already a Christian. How is God speaking to you? How is his spirit speaking to your heart right now through his word? Will we face sickness with fear or with faith? The faith to pray for healing. The faith to live with God's answer. And the faith to believe that someday we will all be healed. Ultimately, completely Will we pray for that healing for ourselves, for other people physically? Emotionally, Mentally. What is God laying on our heart? What person or what attitude in our heart is he laying on our heart right now? How is he working? Take some time to talk to him. And while we're praying, I want to talk to those who have never put their faith in Jesus yet. Who have never reached out to him in faith and been touched with his healing, saving touch. You can receive that healing, saving touch right now. By faith, we are all unclean before we come to Jesus. It's called sin, and it keeps us from a relationship with God. Now and forever, we will be separated from God. But God in his love loved us so much. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I want to encourage you to reach out for Jesus. In faith, in prayer, he loves us, and he sees each one of us exactly how we are. He, he's, not re, he's not repulsed by our uncleanness. He has become unclean so that we could become clean. He died on that cross and took our sins so that we could be clean right where you're sitting, right where you come in today, right who you are, you know, reach out in faith. Just say, Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sin. I repent of it. I don't want it anymore. I don't want the uncleanness anymore. I ask you to forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus. I'm going to follow him. I give you my life. I'm going to follow Jesus. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, then something even more radical has happened to you than it happened to that bleeding woman. Just as she knew something happened, inside of you something has happened. The Holy Spirit is now living in you. You are at peace with God. You are now a child of God, and you can talk to him anytime as your heavenly loving father. I want to encourage you to tell somebody. Maybe you have a friend or family member here. Tell them you've prayed that prayer and given your life to Jesus. Or tell me on the way out or fill out the card or email me, text me. Tell somebody so that we could be excited for you and encourage you in your new life. Father, we pray for your mercy and grace to pour out through your Holy Spirit upon us. That we would know how high and deep and wide and long is your love. For us, in
0: Jesus' name, amen.